0: All right, boys. It is February tenth, eight eleven p.m. Friday. Friday seems like our film day, and we're back. The virtual setting.
1: We're back. (laughs) Was it um? Was it Friday last one?
2: Yep. We're gonna make it make it a thing, and then we're gonna post every Saturday.
1: Friday, Saturday, baby. Why not? Camera setup.
2: Um. I did have something planned for today, and it doesn't have to be in any particular order. But one of the main topics that I did want to cover today was um, when I when we did I did a little soft launch and like sent it, sent this podcast the first episode out to all like my homies and uh, wanted them to listen to it. Let me know what they want like what they had to say about it. And one of the boys that I respect very highly. Had an interesting outlook on it. And um, if he thinks it, then we have, I'm sure that many other people are also feeling that same way. So, what he was saying was he felt that our first podcast was saying that you can only be successful by doing entrepreneurship. So, the first question for us today is is there, is entrepreneurship the only way to get successful?
1: Well, it depends on what... Success looks differently for other people. I think a better word would be fulfillment, right? Because, I mean, success could be money-wise for one person. Another, it could be, you know, love or a specific activity, you know, filling their time. Um, Another person, it could be creating businesses, you know? So... Ultimately, I think the word is more fulfillment, and if we substitute that word, absolutely not. Like, you can be fulfilled with whatever. It just depends on the person. Now, in terms of absolute success, like how we're interpreting success, not really. You just got to be... It does make it easier if you are able to scale... A, a business or a system or create a product or service that you can, you know, grow and eventually exit out of um, but it's just hard it, ultimately it's just fulfillment, honestly because mm-hmm. people could be fulfilled being a doctor a lawyer, um, you know a teacher, it's, right. it's just whatever they see mm-hmm. as being fulfilled in their life you know, right. so
2: I think that oftentimes we tie success to money. However, I mean, you, you're rich doesn't just mean money. You can be rich because you're, you're happy with what you're doing. You can be rich because you feel fulfill, fulfilled, like you were saying. Right. And like rich isn't just one category. There's multiple. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Alec?
0: I mean, dude, I think, ultimately, who the fuck are we, right, to right. define that word success mm-hmm. for anybody? And obviously, I mean, in this specific situation, all we're doing is talking about how we're going to achieve our form of success exactly. in life. I mean, so, again, I would just tell whoever this kid is, this is what I this all the time, is think 10 years ahead. Think where you want to be when you're 33, 34, 35, and reverse engineer a plan backwards. And if for you going to get a job, a nine to five, let's call it, going to your nine to five, saving your money, stacking your bread, doing that gets you what you envision your life at 33 to 35 and don't let anyone backtrack you away from what you're defining that success as. And I think for me, my brain just goes to like that integration aspect of things or like that planning, right? That accountability aspect of things It's like, just have a plan. No one, you you got to be your own mental point of origin. You have to set your own plan in life, but if you can be taken away from what you want to accomplish in life and what you're defining as success by three people, then in a way, like, you haven't clearly defined it and you're not your own mental point of origin. So I would just say, man, like, go chase whatever you see as success, define it, clearly define it, and then take action steps to get whatever you want. I mean, everyone's life is going to look different, right? We're all one in a billion people. So Mm -hmm. go do your thing, brother. Well said.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things that I really wanted to make clear was we're not, I, or at least I speak for everyone, but if, if you disagree, let me know. But we aren't saying that working a corporate job is a waste of life, a terrible decision. Like, if you do that, you are, you know, you're just wasting your potential. And that I don't think that that's what we're trying to portray at all. I think that I mean, what, what we're speaking on is what is relevant to us. To us individually, we're speaking to everybody else who feels that they want to go down that entrepreneurial journey, right? Like, if you're a dog person and there's a podcast about cats you're probably not going to listen to that podcast, right? Because it doesn't yep. correlate with what you believe in. So this podcast might not be for everybody, but for the people that it is for, I hope that they can come here, learn from what we've learned so far, learn from our failures, so then they can you know, jumpstart over that and then kind of go beyond.
1: Right. So it's not that we're necessarily shitting on a 9-to-5. It's just ultimately a lot of people don't find a vast majority of people that are still kind of technically in the matrix are not necessarily living fulfilled lives. Right. You know, depression Mm -hmm. is at an all time high, you know, um, and they're not trying to think of the best way to put it. They aren't necessarily, they're just not being fulfilled within their roles. Because ultimately what we find fulfilling is meaning in our life. Yes, that could, your occupation could give you that kind of meaning. But, you know, there's other aspects of enjoyment that the mm-hmm. nine to five, you just don't have an option. You can't, you can't go drop everything, and, you know, go to Spain for four months, right? Working right. a nine to five or if you're, um, you know self-employed in whatever venture you're going on, right? You're attached to whatever aspect that you're getting money from. Um, So ultimately, so what I see success as, like my definite is having options to do whatever I want with the time that I want when I wake up. And it just so happens that yes, entrepreneurship is the answer for that version of success that I am seeking. Mm-hmm. Right, that because I want to be able to go do whatever the hell I want and not be tied to a specific location. Right, I want to have that freedom. So, in a way, yes, having going keeping a nine to five is in some ways limiting to specific people yeah. that just are weighing variables mm-hmm. differently. Right. right.
2: Um, We're kind of talking to the nine to fivers who aren't fulfilled working in that 9 to 5. But if right. you're fulfilled, I mean, that's awesome. You know?
1: Yeah. Like, if you, you know, if you're, you know, going through college for, to, to become a lawyer, to become a doctor, um, you know, but we need brain surgeons, right? Like, right. we need them in the world. And that is, I have to imagine, a very fulfilling person for the mm-hmm. person that's going down, you know, going on that journey. Right. Um, but, The vast majority of people that are working, you know, the time they are tied to the clock, right, clocking in, clocking out, it's not fulfilling for them. Mm -hmm. All we are here to do is just get them to start thinking for themselves and not being reliant on outside sources and become their own source of fulfillment and build an empire in their own vision, like with their own vision of what they see their life as, right? Mine's going to look completely different from Alex. Mine's going to look different from yours, camera. right? Mm -hmm. So it's really just thinking about yourself. And If you can start to do that, you can start to see some of the flaws in the vast majority of nine-to-fives. Yeah, well, that's kind of where I I see it, at least. And then, dude, I would even...
0: I would just think that if most people really sat back and analyzed where they want to go and where they want to be at the end of their life, I don't think most people would say, and maybe this is a broad statement, but I don't think most people would say, I want to work for the 40 years of my youth, get to the end of my 40-year career, and then try and live off of a 401k or a normal retirement vehicle that can lose its value in one month because a politician made a bad decision. Like I think most people, when they sit down and they take a second to analyze the chessboard and they're really like, where is my life taking me? I truly think most people would not say that's their ideal outcome in life. So does that mean that a nine to five can't get you to your ideal outcome in life? No, but it's like the people who just drift their life away without ever taking a step back, using that planning aspect of their brain and just like thinking, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ahead from now and saying, like, is being in the rat race, making 5k a month, spending 5k a month really going to get me to where I want to go? Or am I really just finding myself getting stuck into this nine to five? Because you could have a nine to five, make 5k a month, live off a of two, save 3k. And then you know what? Now you're making smart financial decisions and you're moving yourself to a life of fulfillment, right? Like, go keeps talking about fulfillment. That's such a big word. Like, you're setting yourself up to eventually one day be able to do the things you want to do, and maybe you don't have the risk appetite to go out and start a business, be an entrepreneur, but, like, it's even just planning, bro. Like, you don't want, no one wants to fucking work their whole entire life, get to when they're 60, and then get half fucking dime mm-hmm. to go retire, you know, and, like, be stuck working for the rest of their life.
2: And I right. think I think that's where the difference is, is, like, I love the risk aspect of entrepreneurship. Like that that's what drew me in. Like I love the the thought of like building a business, treating it as my own baby and bringing it up to this big big business where now I'm able to go travel and I come back better than it was when I left, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like you know that that's the difference between being self-employed and owning a big business.
0: Right, right. And I think it's it's also Interesting to note that like it's that risk is exciting to us Mm -hmm. But we got to think why right like not everyone is that guy Or that person that sees it as an exciting thing not everyone had the influences that we had I know (laughs) for me like Again, my dad like I watched my dad run his own business his whole life,
3: right? So
0: I always had that Thing manifesting within me that I knew but some people they don't grow up in that environment they don't have examples like We've all been so fortunate to see in our lives that, you know, entrepreneurship is real. You know, some people are still stuck with the limiting belief that investing is scary. Mm-hmm. You know, some people's psychology of money is still so messed up that they think investing is scary. And I think, you know, it just comes back. I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's like, it's like thinking ahead, right? And just like making a plan and understanding it's more risky not to take a risk now than it is to just... Be comfortable. When you're comfortable, you're not growing. Right. I think like that's what it really comes down to, bro, is like you gotta be getting
3: better or you're literally getting worse. Exactly. In, yeah, go okay. no, ahead. So like tie it back to
1: like you know, what is success? Literally the way that I kind of see success is taking deliberate action and achieving that action, right? But so long as it's, like, intentional and not just, you know, it's an action just because it's a thoughtless thing that you did, that's not success. Success is literally saying something, putting a plan down, like I keeps saying, and then literally achieving the step-by-step process to get to whatever the goal, whatever vision that is for you. That is success. And I hope it looks different for everybody, right? right. I hope, you know, it's... It, not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Some people are just like, eh, it's not for me. Dude, what is for you? You know? And like, go do that it. is what you need to be doing. Right. Just figure it out for yourself and that's your version of success.
2: Right. And I think that the idea of risk, like when people hear risk, they think, Oh, like throwing all all the money going all in and hoping like you're gambling, right? But we always we always reference cash cash flow quadrants because it was so, it was influential to me and all of us. But it's all calculated risk, right? Like, we're taking that risk because, you know, we might lose, but we've also calculated it to the point where we're able to kind of dictate and predict that this risk is a good risk. We aren't just, like, saying, fuck it, balls to the walls, let's just go all in. Like, we think about it first.
1: Right. Yeah, it's not speculative. Mm -hmm. And I think... I was,
0: I was to say like, at least, you know, the big first move that I made as an investment personally was with Dylan or with Deco making the house hack.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: like, you know, hitting on risk, calculated risk. The conversation we had right before we, we pulled trigger and we make this move mm-hmm. was okay. What is absolute worst case scenario? Right. You know, we were aware of what worst case scenario was. I was like, can you live with that?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, yes, I can live with it. Yes. Okay then let's go ahead and let's take the jump and let's take the risk, right? Like Robert Kiyosaki went homeless. Right. Like that's a big risk to most people, but like it was a calculated risk, right? He knew where he was going, he had his plan, and it was something he was willing to endure to achieve his his definition of success. So it's like if there's a plan and you're okay with what worst-case scenario Mm -hmm. is, you can go to bed as a grown-ass man and be happy that, you know what, I gave him my all and I was chasing my definition of success then bro like we keep saying go do it who who's anyone to tell you that that's not what success is?
3: right
2: absolutely i think i think you hit the nail on the head with uh with like can't when you weigh all the options and you can live with the worst case scenario then that's like that's your trigger that's where you go that's when you go Like, if like when you calculate it to the point where, like, worst-case scenario still isn't, like, me being homeless, go do it. Because, like, that's... Because we're uncomfortable then, and that's where the learning happens. And I bet you, if you do fail, you will never make that mistake again.
0: Yeah, and it's like... Again, it's like having a positive relationship with failure as Mm. well. Because, you know, let's say you do not... Do it perfectly on the first try. Mm-hmm. That's literally the whole point. You know, right. like, I don't know how many of my YouTube mentors literally tell stories about them going homeless, mm-hmm. about them spending their last thousand dollars on their business, trying to make it work. And it didn't work. And they, they survived it, right? Like, right. we will always be provided our daily bread as long as we're moving within the correct intentions and we're trying to make the right things happen. So it's like, you know, <laughs> is it really failing or did you just learn a, a valuable lesson and now you're going to see the reap the benefits of failing for the rest of your life and now you're actually on the journey you want to go on that's that's a much better trade-off or risk than not ever taking a step because you were scared of failing right. and then missing out on the whole life of what you define as success
2: fail forward uh, always Dico, do you have any finishing thoughts before we move on yeah I mean A lot of people also have this idea that like progress is linear, you Mm -hmm. know,
1: it's just a slow, steady grade upwards. Right. Um, But it's not like that at all. Right. There's peaks and there's troughs and, you know, everything in between, like there's parts where you are popping off, you know, um, you know, and it can be kind of a cool, a pretty cool moment. Mm -hmm. But then there's also, you know, the opposite end of it where it's like, oh, Wow, like we kind of got to dig our feet in, like you know, we got to grind for a little bit, hunker Mm -hmm. down, and get real serious because, like you know, this wasn't the best stretch of performance on our end, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And like that—that journey is supposed to happen. Like that's what builds your character as uh, with anything in life, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're going to have these like periods of time where. You know, it's easy because it's going well, but it's like once it starts to go, you know, a little sideways, some shit starts hitting the fan. (laughs) It's like that's the stuff that builds your character and builds your mindset to be able to, like, you know, instill in whatever it is that you're building or whatever it is you're striving for to make sure that you're trying to at least increase or optimize the amount of good phases you have and. Taking what you learn in those, you know, the trough periods to minimize them in the mm, future. Right. That's literally what it's about. So
2: I think I think we can do all that we can to limit the troughs, but I think it's what you do during those troughs that make all the difference. Like I think that's where all the growth does happen. Like when you're when you're spending your time at the top, are you starting to coast or are you working just as hard as you were when you were in the trough? So but yeah, are you guys you guys ready for the next question? Next topic?
0: Yeah, let's
1: right. run through it, bro.
2: All right. This is let's gonna go, be let's go, let's go. this is gonna be a hefty one because it's the weekly recap. What the hell happened this week? Uh the a better question is what the hell didn't happen oh, this
0: week? Oh shit, boys. <laughs> I went on I went on a trip, let me tell you. I went on a trip. <laughs> um I uh, personally, I was doing 75 hard, and I broke 75 hard, which is something that made me very, very sad. Um, but that was a little bit of a personal thing. That was like the biggest thing that happened to me this week, broke 75 hard. But my biggest learning lesson is just I got to understand who's bad for me and who's good for me because my little sister is my kryptonite, and I always made my worst decisions around her. And I let myself get into a state of mind where I made, I wasn't able to control what the frick I was putting in my mouth.
2: Right.
0: And I fucked up. So I think that's my big personal thing.
2: Off of what you told me throughout that week, I think there's a couple bits, even with that one experience that we could go over. Like, one, you found out that nobody cares what you do. And sometimes we can make it up in our mind. And two, um, you were really hard on yourself when you did fail that 75 hard. Like, you were like, guys, like, I fucked up the, the brand image. Like, I failed. I'm such a failure. So yeah. could, you, could you touch on both of those things? The nobody gives a fuck about what you do and yeah. two, being hard on yourself. And how, is it, how can you do it in a healthier way?
0: I mean, dude, this is this was a huge experience for me because, I mean, one, going to Tallahassee, I crossed two things off my bucket list that I've always wanted to do, or at least one of my year goals and, like, a life goal, so I was able to, like, have some cool experiences, um, and in those experiences, I think I just learned, again, that no one gives an absolute fuck at all, bro. Like, I did something so embarrassing, <laughs> like... I I can't even express how embarrassing it was to show up to my little sister's dorm room and act the way I acted, and then the next morning not give an absolute fuck at all and still be like, yo, like, you're the homie, and just, like, post up and chill. So, again, it was like another Tim Tim Ferriss four-hour work week moment where I stood up and I was like, no one cares. It was so liberating.
2: You you don't want to tell us what that thing was?
0: um <laughs> i mean I, I fully pissed myself yeah <laughs> i don't know what it is what yeah, i literally <laughs> i pissed myself in the middle of my little sister's apartment i literally pissed myself and i and i le- and i left it there <laughs> <And then laughs> i just pissed in front of like six Nineteen-year-old girls, like I just pissed myself. I lost control. I I didn't make it to the bathroom, and I pissed myself. And I I'm not like it was kind of liberating to like <laughs> realize that they didn't care at mm-hmm. all. Um, so that was super cool. Yeah, and that was, really,
1: was probably the highlight of their week too. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that I'm glad that you ended up telling us what you did too, because now we have nobody like nobody cares.
0: Yeah, like all.
2: We make it all up in our mind. Like, we make it such a bigger deal than they than we think people would.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's, that was so liberating, honestly. <laughs> um, but in terms of, like, being hard on myself, honestly, this is something that me and Deco argue about all the time, and this is going to be interesting. But, like, for me, going through 75 hard right now was – it is because I'm back on it. I'm on day two now. Uh, it's extreme because I literally traveled to Charlotte – Traveled to High Point, travel to Tallahassee, coming back home, going back to Charlotte like in a couple of weeks. So I'm and I we're just taking on this social media venture. Like we're actively growing our wholesaling business. We're actively trying to get into flips. Like there's a lot of things going on right, right now. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna do 75 hard. So for me, and this is what we always argue about. Like I like I liked failing. Mm. You know, because at least now I can be like, you know what. I wasn't coasting. I, I pushed myself to a point where life got in the way and I failed and I let life get in the way and I have to be a hundred percent accountable for that. And I do hold myself to that high standard, but I'm also, I'm running from shit. You know, like I'm running from who I used to be running towards my next version of myself. So I don't mind failing it. Honestly, it, I have a, such a positive relationship with failure that like, I don't mind being a dick to myself for an, for a day or two and. You know motivating myself from a negative frame almost not that I actually think it's negative but from a high standard mm. so you know I just learned that that's how I function and you know Dylan I want to hear what you would have to say because I know this is something we always beef about is like me wanting to set something where we fail and him wanting to almost build us up to a point where we're constantly succeeding um, so that's just a little bit again a difference of about how we think about things um. mm. Well,
1: yeah, I think that, I think it's, those are two different things. Like I always think that there's, you know, phases of life that you want to almost, you know, push the envelope for what you're used to, um, you know, to see what you are made of and to just keep improving in, you know, the aspects of your life that you do want to see progress in. I do think that that's very healthy. Um, to always be doing that and if, you, and if you end up failing because of it it's like okay well you know you know you now have an idea of the threshold at this point in your life that you can sustain right um, which I think you know and if you keep consistently doing that you're, it's going to eventually just keep getting better and better where you will start to see a little, a little bit more incremental success right um, I'm trying to remember it was Ed my book max out your life, you know, always pushing your thermometer, right? Cause a lot of people, you know, they operate on, you know, 60 degrees Fahrenheit and they never go up to 70, 80, 90 degrees Fahrenheit, um, for a sustained period of time, right? It may not be ultimately the most sustainable thing lifelong, But, like, you want to have those phases of 90 degrees Fahrenheit, of 100 degrees Fahrenheit, to see what, if you can basically heighten your lower temperature threshold. Because maybe you were at 60, and then you operated in a 70 to 90 range, and Mm. now you're at, you know, you can operate at a 68 or a 70%, or a 70 um, degree Fahrenheit threshold for
3: your life now, Mm. right? So it is a good thing to, you know, go through phases of your life where you are, you know, pushing the envelope for what you're familiar with. Right.
1: Now, that being said, right, I am I am comfortable with failure as well because I think it. in times of failure, you're literally able to like just look it at you for who you are and just, you know, again, it's the accountability aspect of it. Like, it's nobody's fault but your own. As soon as you start, you know, blaming outside things, that's when you lose because you give your power away, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not that I have, you know, I'm averse to failure. It's more so, you know, when you see little itty bits of success, you start to trust yourself more Mm -hmm. so then you feel like you can accomplish more which allows you to push the envelope right or at least give you the confidence that you can push to that next level i think that's important right so like you know if somebody can bench you know 200 and they're trying to get to 225 right like they're they can't just immediately jump to the 225 and just like consistently fail at it Mm-hmm. That's not going to like get them there. If they start slowly adding 10% to that 200 to then eventually get to 225, that's ultimately when
3: they're going to start benching 225. Right. Um, so I think that's, it's... that's the way that I look at it. You got to like build up to it. Um, it's not just going to like,
0: you know, you're not just going to wake up and do it. Right. You got to build that relationship with yourself. That's a huge business combo we always are having, especially when we try to implement new things in the system, is like trying to balance those like extremes almost, if you want to call them that. Right.
2: and we we touched on it last week, too, but I think what Alec did really well was he didn't loathe in the failure. like you were back on it the next day. Like, yeah, yeah you failed, you acknowledged it, you, you held yourself accountable but then you just got right back on your shit.
1: Mhm. So yeah, and that's that's literally the character aspect of it. Like you don't you don't wallow in your own pity and shame and whatever, right? You can like he said, you can give yourself a hard time for a little bit, but then ultimately it's just like, bro, like all right, are you going to continue to do that? Like mm-hmm. then you start with the pe- the trouble is is when people start doing that then they start victimizing and then coming up with mm. excuses. Right? Yep. And, then, oh, you know, a year went by, what happened, you know? It's like, oh, then this and this and this. If you just get right back on it, right. you know, your brain almost just doesn't know the difference. And to also, like, bring it back to it, I feel like what you're doing, Alec, is you're pushing your thermometer, right? I think you're doing that constantly, which is good. And that's, right. why, you're, that's why you are failing, Right. I think that's good. You're seeing what your thermometer can take. Like that's yeah. so I think like the concept is still within
0: what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I almost feel like that was a little bit of bad of a bad example, but I know that we always have that conversation, so right. But
2: well, okay, Deco, What the hell happened this week? What happened with you?
1: Oh well, we uh Lost a we lost a teammate, Camo. Um,
2: you didn't lose you also, didn't lose the teammate. Me, a, a
1: potential prodigy. Potential a prodigy. Potential prodigy. No. Prodigy two point Camo's prodigy one point Yes. <laughs> now there's
2: I think there's because we we have the utmost respect for said prodigy. Um,
0: oh heck yeah! That's but my boy.
2: and there's a lot that we can learn from that. So. Do you just want to get into, like, what happened and then what's the bigger picture?
1: Right. So, ultimately, I think, you know, we'll talk about me first. I think I'm now learning to be in more of a leadership role. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the perfect, most perfect thing right from the get-go. I knew that. Um I do think that there were times, it's all about the balance of like, you know, being the teacher slash hand holder, but then also, you know, nudging the bird out, a mm-hmm. little birdie out of the nest to see if it can fly, right? It's that balance. And I'm trying to get familiar with what that should look like for each individual that wants to take this journey on with us. Um, and with him, I do think that there were aspects where I could have handheld a little more based on, you know, his level of experience and, um, you know, his state of mind, given that he was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, it also does come down to one of the concepts that I talked about on the last podcast that we did. Um, He ultimately just, he was expecting short-term gratification Mm -hmm. as well. Um, He didn't see the diamond, and because he didn't see the diamond, it doesn't mean it's not there, but because he couldn't visually see it, he, you know, he lost motivation fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I do think that it was
2: definitely a mixture of those two variables. Which I think is a huge learning lesson and life lesson is like, are you willing to live with the long-term gratification? Because a lot of what we do as entrepreneurs is based on long term gratification. Like we aren't gonna mm-hmm. we aren't gonna close a house every single day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes we'll work twenty plus hours on one deal just for it to fall through.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But back to the failing thing, how fast can you bounce back and go get another one?
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like
2: Alex sent me a video this week of um, this kid. He was like, "Yeah, wholesaling." Is so difficult because when you start, you're looking for that one in a thousand and then you look for that one in a hundred and then that one in ten. Like it it the more that you keep pushing and you take quitting out, like if you don't quit, you can't lose. Facts. It and that's what Alex, Alec is always telling me. And it's so true. Because who knows, maybe that next phone call that he made was the one that went under contract.
1: Right, right. I'll never know. Um, I also do think, you know, it, it, again, bringing it back to like the phase of like, I mean, this kid, he was, he's very young, right? He's still in the heat of college, right? So he's got, you know, he's got a bit of freedom on his hands now, and he's still in that bubble, right? So ultimately, the real world hasn't necessarily slapped him in the face yet. He doesn't he hasn't felt what it's like to be in a nine to five, to have your time dictated, you know, it's not within your power. Um, so I don't necessarily think that he saw value in the entirety of what we were doing with him, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't mean that he won't once he gets older.
0: Right. Right. And I, I will say like, this is something I was reflecting on as well because like, even within my wholesale journey, oh. I think we just lost Dico.
2: We just lost him. Um, His phone must have died.
0: We'll keep sliding through mm-hmm. it though. Even within my wholesale journey, like I was at a house with a kid who was actively doing ten deals, five to ten deals a month, cold calling for him, mm-hmm. and I stopped and I left, and it took me two years to get back to wholesale. Right. So I was said kid, and I still missed the opportunity as well and I wasn't able to kind of capitalize on it just because of the phase of life I was in as well so what do we what do we want to do with Deco do we want to call him or do we want to just keep running through his,
2: it? his computer just died he'll be on in just a sec um,
0: um but in, in terms of of this as well I mean obviously like I'd be curious to see what your opinion on it is from your role but mm-hmm like one thing I think I could have done right between all of our relationships, right? Like integrator and Dico being visionary, at least on our end, I think as the integrator, it is my job to have been a little bit more aware of how he was feeling. Um, And I don't even like to use the word feelings because we should be logical. We should be men. But at the same time, like we have to acknowledge the way we're feeling. Right. And I, I could have done better. In my management position to check in with him and, and, you know, play my role of checking in on his mindset, checking in on his plan, checking in on his 90-day rocks, like, checking in on his weekly goals, planning with him for one, three, five years in the future. That way, when that instant gratification isn't slapping, you can see the delayed, like the delayed vision. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to ask you this. You know, I mean, we saw some pretty quick success with you, but even, like, me and you started our relationship by – planning for one year from now, three years from now, five years from now. Hold up, he's loading back in. There we go. And then I'll finish my question. Yeah.
1: It's me, boys. End of the day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Turn your camera on. <laughs> your camera's not on either, just so no. you know. There we go. Um, but, Deco, I was literally, I just basically was running camo down about how I felt. As integrator, I should have been more accountable for his mindset and also like I was posing a question to Camo, how me and Camo's relationship, before we started doing this, we really honed in on like the spreadsheet, the financial planning spreadsheet. And we focused on like a one-year plan a one year goal, three year goal, and five year goal. So how do you think that plan helped you stay focused in the times when we maybe weren't seeing success and like mm-hmm. allowing you to delay that gratification, delay that gratification?
2: Well, first, I want to say that I think that um, he he didn't feel fulfilled, like what we were saying before. He didn't he didn't have his fulfillment, and that, that that's that's what I'll say on that. But in terms of setting up those goals, like those financial goals that we had, it just so we set we set a goal to make fifteen grand to have financial freedom for six months after I graduate. And as soon as we put it on paper and we started to talk about it a lot, like it was the only thing that I could focus on. And I was like, all right, let's get one under contract so I can get a little, so I can nudge closer. Let's get another one. Let's, let's keep going. And it was almost like an accountability piece because we wrote it down. And as soon as I started to really focus on that, I achieved it. And I achieved it so much faster than I ever would have thought. Like 15, we, we made 15 grand. In two months, three months, right? Like I reached my goal that quickly. It was insane, and it was only because my mind was actively thinking about it. I don't know if the yeah. universe was listening or, you know, if just yeah. something made it happen. But my mindset was completely fixed on achieving.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that is the reticular activating system. <laughs>
2: it, it 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 worked right. Like I was totally all, every day. I checked that spreadsheet and I'd get to see myself, oh, I could have easily been like, oh my God, I'm at $0, like like we just had one fall out of contract. But then we got one, and we closed it. And I was like, boom, look at that, the little meter's filling up. And then we got another one, and boom, it's even, it's even closer now. So it was just so, like, as soon as I started to focus on it, it really started to happen. I don't know if I got lucky or if that's just how it was always written out. I don't know.
0: I mean, dude, I, I think it's... Honestly, I'm going to check you a little bit to say like, bro, don't even, what is luck, right? Luck is just the person who's prepared for the opportunity because you went out, was it lucky that you had your real estate license at 18? Was it lucky that you busted your ass for two months to get your license transferred from California to North Carolina? Was it luck that you showed up for 20 days? Was it luck that you saw a vision and like went after it? Like, I wouldn't even give it to luck, right? Like- Maybe you hopped
2: on me, me and Dico's momentum a little bit. No, 100%. <laughs> no, but totally, I created my own luck. Like, I just, yeah, I, everything that I did leading up to that point got me to that goal. And it was, mm-hmm. I mean, I did everything right, but it was so, it was like an unrealistic goal. Yeah. But we wrote it down and made it realistic.
0: Yeah, bro, Put it, putting it on on a page with a purpose, I mean, it, mm-hmm. bro, I mean, Deco, go off on the RAS, bro. They're like, I know you know. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> so real, bro. Like, yeah. the you, G- just,
1: you literally just put it into reality, right? Like, mine and, mine and Alex' goal um, for a little bit, when we were just getting started, was like, yo, we're making 40k. Right? 20k between the both of us. Um, And that literally was the number that was staring right back at us in, like, two and a half months' time after we set that goal. Like, that is what is crazy, you know? Like, ultimately, bro, like, ugh, I got to stop saying that damn word. Ultimately, that is my, that's my <laughs> word right now for some reason. Um But RAS, dude, it's literally what your brain thinks on. It is a major paradigm shifter because, like, Literally, what you think about is what happens, what you say, and people really undervalue the power of their words and, like, the, you know, their self-talk, you know, the conversations that they have with themselves, um, you know, even the thoughts that drift in and out of their minds, the ones that they really validate and the ones that, you know, they tend to uh, slip away. Um, that stuff is all insanely more powerful than you really think it is. And the, the coolest part about it is like when you literally have goals and you put it into the literal literal universe like it's staring right back at you on a sheet of paper all those thoughts like it's almost like the the universe's matrix listens to you and responds but you have to put in the work you have to pay your dues right in terms of taking those actions necessary to make those goals come to fruition. And it's like the universe almost synergizes with you, the the wavelengths that you're giving off, the vibes you're giving off, the intention you're giving off. And that is ultimately what makes it. Again, there's that word. um, (laughs) That is what makes it happen. Mm -hmm. It's the coolest thing ever, right? You buy, you know, you buy... A red slug bug, that's all you're going to see, you know. That's that's kind of how crazy it is. If you, on the opposite end of it, if you focus on the negatives of every single thing, you look at the world, you know, glass half empty, that is what you will see everything as. You will see everybody as a parasite. You will see everybody as, you know, a backstabber, right? Um, so, it's literally what, what it comes
2: down to is what are you allowing your mind to focus on what are you, what are the words that you're speaking into the universe, right? And yeah, that, I mean that's that's exactly right. It's insane how it works like that. And to get us back on <clears throat> from that from the tangent, because we are we should have just called this podcast podcast the tangent. Um But for for <laughs> re-branded,
1: re-branded. <laughs>
2: <laughs> for the for this week, I actually had a really interesting thing happen. But before that, like there were so like everything that could have gone wrong, quote unquote, went wrong this week. Like we had three under contract, two of them, like out of out of our control. It was just how it was supposed to happen. Like, you know, not everybody got signed off on the contract, and the other one was a fake LLC was made to clear a deed, and like it was just like out of our control. So one of the things that I list that I learned was, Don't take action right away when it's not necessary. Like if you still have time before like, so for example, we terminated a contract and then not even two minutes later, we got an email saying, oh yeah, it's all cleared, but it was already terminated. And they were like, we're going to go with someone else now. I could have waited two more days to terminate it, but I was like, all right, well, if we want to terminate, let's just terminate it. I had the I had the ability and the thought to take that action to just terminate cuz that's what the consensus was but it wasn't necessary. So just I think practicing patience was a big lesson that I learned this week.
0: And then and I think so go ahead. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, I was just say sometimes uh, I think like that's that's not a bad thing about us but we do we are so about taking massive action mm-hmm. all the time that sometimes when they're practicing, like Gary Vee talks about patience as an entrepreneur all the time. Like sometimes it is good to just like take a deep breath, like analyze where we're at and then just make a decision from there. Because I think sometimes we're so caught up in the hustle bustle of wanting to get to the next deal and make that bread Mm -hmm. that we're taking, we're moving so fast that in a situation like this, like sometimes we just we just almost, we're too fast, you know?
2: Yeah. And the other thing, was, and I'm not just disregarding what you just said, I acknowledge, you're acknowledged. (laughs) Um, And the other thing is, that goes on top of that is like, we focus on so much volume that we have experienced, it might be an exaggeration, but like in this week alone, we experience a a year's worth of potential things that could have happened. And now we will never make those same mistakes again. Like, the way that we focus on volume and the way that we fuck up, like, we'll never make that fuck up again, which I think is really cool. And that's the risk, right? Where we took on that risk of, you know, just focusing on volume, and now we get to learn so much more, much more quickly.
0: I also, now,
2: no, I was going to, I was going to keep going. I was going to start talking about how I started reading, um, You Can't, like, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And I think you guys are going to have a lot to talk about on this. Because I was like, so I was walking to class, and there was this person going through this one door that, you know, I don't know what, we may have, like, had a bit of beef in the past. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go through the other door. So I took the path of least resistance. And I think that you guys will have a lot to talk about on the path of least resistance and as I was walking to that other door, I was like, shit, I should have just gone for it and just like walked through that door. Like I, I almost went like the comfortable route instead of going yeah. the uncomfortable route. So what do you guys, what do you guys think about the, the path of least resistance and how is it kind of detrimental?
0: I mean, I'll, I i do not know about all in life, but in this specific situation, I'll just say like, um, I'm going to call him Mr. T cause I hear there's a shadow band going on around his name. Um, take it for what it's worth, right? So, Mr. T, he talks about like the fact of as men, like in situations like that. If we're walking, and you know that energy that is transferred between a dude and a dude when you're walking to each other, like if if you're if they're not moving out of your way, and you're the one moving, like you should take a second of reflection and really realize, like why why did they not move out of my way? Like why did I concede to that frame in that interaction? Mm-hmm. Um, So I would just pose the question to you, right? Like, why did, in that situation, you felt you took the comfortable action? Because you usually are the guy that's taking the uncomfortable actions. Right. So just analyzing that situation, one, I think the fact that you're even thinking about that like that is cool as fuck. And then two, just, I would say, why were you the bitch? (laughs) Why why did you move out of his way? You should have ran him the fuck over, bro.
2: (laughs) Well, realistically if i walked through that door were we gonna get in a full-fledged fist fight no no that wasn't okay. gonna happen right i was just like you know what it's not really what i want to deal with right now were we gonna go back and forth and be like hey fuck you no we were just he was just gonna hold the door open or i was gonna hold <laughs> the door open and we were just gonna go about our business like and back to like people really don't give a fuck. like i made him like i made up in my mind like oh he's really gonna like like this isn't gonna be good so I went the path of least resistance. Hindsight, I should have just walked through because nothing I wasn't going to lose my life. I wasn't going to get in a fight. Nothing bad was going to happen from it. So I took the easy way out, but I was conscious of it while I was doing, so now that won't happen again.
0: Should have ran his ass open. <laughs> <Head on. laughs>
2: that, that's, that's not even resistance. That's just the path yeah, of most is- confrontation. Um, But uh, I do have one last topic for us to go over. And that is, because I have been reading Can't Hurt Me, and we've spoken about it a few times, is the victim mindset and how to escape the victim mindset. So I know for me, my, like, we'll just use David Goggins as an example. Obviously, growing up was not, Ideal. It was as as worse as it could get, right? But instead of letting that define him, he let it amplify him. And he used it as like the fuel for the fire. So when we have, and I've spoken about this in the past, but like if you've had bad shit happen to you, that's a good thing. Because now you have shit to pull from and shit to like work away from to make sure that either you or anybody close to you never has to go through that again. So what yeah. do, what's your guys' um, opinion on the victim mindset?
1: Well, so the question was, how do you get out of it? Right. Uh, I, I think the very first step is taking accountability for everything. In your life and where you're currently at, that is, what, that is what gets you out of it. As soon as you can look at yourself and say, I am where I'm at because of me and my actions. Mm. Because then you give, again, your power back to yourself. The victim mindset is basically just giving your power away. Giving it away to the person that makes you mad when they're driving, they cut you off. Giving it away to, you know... Oh, I can't control my time because my time is taken away from me. Or, you know, giving into letting your emotions dictate how you're going to interact in specific situations, right? You're just giving, constantly giving away your own power. As soon as you stop doing that, you look at yourself, say, I am where I am at because of me, nobody else. That is ultimately the first thing that needs to happen. And the second thing that needs to happen is you get around people that don't have victim mindsets, period. And then the rest will kind of take care of itself.
2: I would pl- I'll would i play the devil's advocate here. Because you said, like, all the things that you did, like, you, you have to start giving your power back. Using David Goggins, again, as an example. He didn't put himself in that situation to be beat by his dad and to, you know, go through all the shit that he did go through. So on the other side of the coin... The shit that we couldn't control, but it did happen anyways. Like, right. how how do you escape that victim mindset?
1: Well, you just got to let that go because ultimately you couldn't control any of that. Right. So why would you let it define you? Mm. You yep. know, it, it's a strength that you got to experience something like that, right? Right. Um, and that's literally what we're on this world to do: is to just experience things—the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, you got to realize what you do have control over and what you don't have control over.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think that people, right. That was a good point. You are, you are right in that, in this case. Yes. Mm-hmm. Things that do happen to you that are just shitty because it, uh, I wouldn't even call it shitty. It's just life. You got to dissociate, you know, your value from those because it had nothing to do with you right? as well. That's the
2: other side of the coin. It was a deeper issue with that person, not you. Like, it wasn't just because you were there and it was convenient for them to go in on you, but it was more just like they're going through whatever they're going through and you just happen to be there.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, it is also, you know, being able to see... Right. If somebody's bullying you, seeing it for what it actually is, you know. It's something's going on in their life, something they are not happy slash satisfied with themselves in some to some capacity with something that's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. And that is why they are projecting it on you. It has nothing to do with me, Dylan Bradley, right? And what I stand for and what I'm currently going through. They're just doing it because something is not what, how it should be in their life, right?
2: Right. So. You got anything, Alec? Uh,
0: I think w- when it comes to the victim mindset, it's pretty interesting, right? Because, I mean, you guys are kind of touching on, like, things happening to you. And I, I think, you know, only being able to speak from my experience on this planet, I think my biggest lessons in terms of like opting into a victim's mindset or opting into like a positive more like let's overcome this and then like you know you mentioned like that building has been like things that let's say it's not even like someone's directly doing to you but it's like just life habit right because right. life's a bitch bro there's for every beautiful moment there's also tragic moments let's call it that so i think you know ironically really like i read can't hurt me when i was in my junior year summer internship that's when i read that book and for me it really did i do mirror meditations now like i like to look at myself in the mirror Mm -hmm. and i really took that from goggins like i literally have posted notes posted up in my mirrors like i write on my mirrors and for me i faced some challenges in life where i literally didn't know what else to do but look at myself in the mirror and literally because of that book just look at it and be like you know what, bro, like, no one is coming to help you. like, <laughs> Dude, you're about to have to walk out this bathroom and go face life head on. And I think in those moments, maybe the, not even maybe the influence of Goggins really is just, like, again, I love the, my concept is, like, you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror before you go to bed. Right. Like you, everyone looks at themselves before they shower. They're booty-ass naked. The water's getting <laughs> warm, and you're standing there, and you're just looking at ranger. yourself. And for me, like, in those moments where I was facing, like, life's tragedies, having to be 100% accountable for the fact that, you know what, life does suck, but am I going to let this one moment in my 100-plus-year life really define who I am, or it define who I am in a negative sense, or am I going to use it as, like we said, getting this thing that is just going to push me to oblivion, and it's my story. And it's what's going to wake me up every morning to go bust ass. And it's going to wake me up every morning to be positive and, you know, take advantage of the opportunity Mm -hmm. of life. So I I think it really just comes down to, again, like, you got to be 100% accountable with who you are and what you want out of life.
3: Right.
0: And it's like, dude, you're either going to play victim to it and live that kind of life or you're going to make it become a champion. And I think as young men, we can look to the men above us. Because, bro, as special as we think we are, bro, everyone has lived a very similar life. So I always like to say, I mean, if I'm going through something, look for someone who's gone through it. There's gonna be someone who took A and someone who took B. You know, if someone is A and they took the victim's mindset, what does their look like? Mm -hmm. What does their life look like? Versus someone who took option B, positivity, what does their life look like? And then I'll make my decision from there. So I mean, as men, bro, we're facing shit. We're not alone. Like We can look up to people above Mm -hmm. us too. But I guess that takes a a sense of clarity to even be aware
1: of that. That was a great question. And Alec, you could not have been the better, a better, there could not have been a better person (laughs) to answer that question. I agree. Literally.
0: We've all been through some shit, bro. And I think that's what's so beautiful about us, right? We all keep talking about how different we are. But I know level five. I know some shit about Camo. Level five. I know some shit about you, Deco. Level five. You guys have witnessed my life. You guys know some shit about me. So it's like, You know, I love it because we've all been through shit, right? Like, none of us have lived... We can't have lived common lives if we're chasing an uncommon outcome. Like, Mm. we've all seen shit that gives us the ability and the perspective to sit here and talk about... Bro, we've all escaped the victim's mindset. Like, I know for a 100% fact all three of us have been through shit where other young men our age would not have acted like us.
2: Right. And that's... that's that's powerful because, you know, like, the, the things that have happened to you, like, if Goggins was to write a book and he wrote about how mommy and daddy loved each other, everything was perfect, you know, he got to be a Cub Scout, he got to, everything was just perfect. Who the hell, who would read that book? It wouldn't be a very fun book to read. So, like, all the things bad that are happening in our lives are just, you know, climaxes in the story. And we're writing a better story.
0: It's life, bro. Like, you know, without good, we couldn't appreciate light without mm-hmm. dark, right? right? We couldn't appreciate good moments without experiencing bad moments. Absolutely. And, again, it just comes down to that awareness and just thinking 10 years in advance. Like, mm-hmm. are we really going to like one moment when we're young to find the rest of our lives? Right. Or are we... I mean, we are letting it define us, but in a positive way, not in a negative way. And I think that the
2: difference between those who are in the victim mindset and who aren't is the positive outlook. If you're able to switch that glass, like what Dika was saying, from half empty to half or half empty to half full, I mean, everything that you go through is now like, oh, that was awesome. Like, how fast can you bounce back from that lesson Mm -hmm. and use it and leverage it? So I think the main things to escape the victim mentality is the positive aspect, the positive outlook, and, you know, controlling the things that you can control and not trying to control the things that you can't. And also just not letting what has happened define you, but, you know, amplify you.
0: Yeah, and and I, I can't help but hear, like, some, let's say, X's in the back of my head right now, like when we've had these deep conversations like, oh, you're they are so positive, like toxically positive, right? Mm. So, I mean, maybe a different way to say is even like having the perspective when Mm. you are in a negative situation to analyze the fact that this emotion will pass, right? So if we don't want to like be too much, like, oh, you're too positive. All right. So maybe when you're in a bad situation, just being able to analyze and have the perspective to say, all right, I'm in a bad situation. This will go away. You know, because that's one thing I realize. Like, sometimes I try to over-positive something. And, like, my sisters call me out all the time. They're like, no, Alec, this sucks. And I'm like, no, it's not, like, let's go. And they're like, no, like, this just sucks. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I guess in from that perspective, this is negative. Mm-hmm. But there's always that little light at the end of the tunnel, right? right. It's just where you're focusing on in that moment.
2: I like, I like the word perspective more than a positive mindset. Because I think that you get to choose what perspective that is.
0: And I think it makes other people feel better. Not and I don't even like to use the word feel, but like I think it connects better with other people because you know, like it sounds crazy to be like, oh, I'm going through this. This is awesome. Right? right. That takes you gotta first have that perspective switch before you can even rationalize to this person how it is a positive experience. Right. And that's again just because we're we're so aware. I truly think as young men, we're just very aware where most people don't even have that sense of awareness to be
1: able to like have that thought pattern Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because there are with situations that happen right there is always going to be negative things and positive things but right you can never be still Right. It's always you're moving forwards or backwards, even in situations that happen. Right. And it just so happens that if you do focus on the negative things of given situations, you tend to move backwards. Right. Or stall, which is basically equivalent to moving backwards. Or you can focus on the silver lining. You know, even if it's there's very few of them compared to the massive stack of negativity there is still like those little silver lining things that you can look at and, and that's the positive light, right? That can get you through those situations and just realize that it is, you know, just a temporary aspect mm-hmm. of things. Like it will get better, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Money.
2: I lied. I actually do have one more topic, but I think that I know that Alec put me onto this, so maybe you'll have the most to say about it. But can you just explain what working in your goals and working on your goals means?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to plug the e and the EOS Life series of books that really opened up my mind to this. And obviously, like, I, I worked on this a lot with Deco as well. It's just, like, as integrator in our relationship, like, these things kind of became my thing. Um, but obviously, we're working on a lot of this stuff together. But, like, working in versus on your business, I, or life, better said, I think a lot of times people get caught up working, trying to achieve things all the time. They're, they get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life, and they forget to just take a second. I personally like to meditate and pray, but they, take, they forget to take a second to just take a step back, calm themselves, and... Disconnect from working in what they're trying to accomplish and then work on the vision of their life again, like working on a one year plan, working on a three year plan, working on a five year plan. Because if you never take the step back to work on what you want, you're mm-hmm. always going to get caught working in it, right? So, I think that's just a, a key yeah. switch that most people never ache if that's the correct wording like they, they're they always working in it in it, in it in it in it in it in it and they're so honed in on working in it that they forget to take a step back calm themselves take a second to become aware to connect with their higher being for me god and then begin to work on what they want their life to look like right um scale and escape also really helped me with that and i know i know dico will have you know a lot to say because obviously like that's the role i took on but like Before I even knew what the EOS life was, me and him were kind of working on our business goal already. That just kind of helped solidify it.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of making in my head this analogy where, right, some people just don't have a plan for their life, and that's the working on aspect of it is like building that framework of what it's going to look like for you. Right. And it goes into everything, you know, like what the, what will your health look like? What will your business look like? What will your relationships look like? Like, what are those dynamics? How do you want those dynamics to be at the end of your life? You know? Um, so the front, the, the um, what is it? The comparison, I guess that I'm, making in my head is like, if you don't necessarily have a framework that you're building your life off of, right? It's like a building. If you're just going to work and work and work, you're going to build one floor and it's just going to be a continuous floor that goes on for miles. Right. Whereas if you kind of take a step back, you walk out of the floor and you know, you walk out of the door and you look up at the sky and say, I want to go that way right? I want to build another floor. Why, why did I just build a floor that's five miles long? I want to build the second floor and the third floor, Mm -hmm. right? You got to like take a step out of life and then look back at yourself and what your life is and see where you want to go and then put a, a plan in action to make that happen and have those conversations to make that happen. Right.
3: Right.
1: Um, I think that made
0: sense. Makes sense. But, <laughs> Kama, like, I would almost pose to you how, you know, because you're in the middle of, not in the middle, I guess we're all in the middle, but, like, I guess me and Deco got to build that vision for our business at least and also our life. Like, we live together. together. Like, how, what has been, you know, you mentioned, oh, Alec, you kind of taught me this. You were the one who put me on this. Like, what have you seen as the biggest difference when you started To transition from not only working in your life. To on your life. Mm
2: -hmm. So. I'll just use um, the real estate aspect. Because it's the best thing that I can. Kind of. You know. Speak on this about. During the week. I'm making my phone calls. I'm doing the work. I'm getting so caught up in the work. And I'm working inside. Right. But on the weekends. I work on. My goals. Of what I'm trying to achieve. So then. When I'm working in it, I'm taking notes of what worked and what didn't work, and I'm also taking note of how can I be more efficient here? How can, I, how can I start making you know this go smoother? And then on the weekends, I look at those notes, and I'm like, okay, well, if I keep sending out 100 offers every week, maybe I should just make a master copy of the offer. That way I can just, boom, implement, boom. So it's almost like integration, so during the weekends, I work on, you know, you know, acknowledging the things that didn't work, learning from those so that I don't make that same mistake the next week. And then I'm also working on my efficiency so then the next week I can get more done with the same amount of time that I'm doing. Because, you know, while I'm getting stuck inside and I'm not able to fix those issues, you know, it kind of I'm not as able to I'm not able to be as productive so then, it just helps me upgrade for the next week, and I can skip all those things that didn't work last week, and then I can find the new things that didn't work this week, and then it's just a, it's just a cycle over and over. And will I ever have everything not di- like dialed down? No. But I'll be able to you know surpass those things that held me back last week. So that's how I've been u- using the in and on, and I yeah, well, I, so. I love the weekends because that's when I get to really make sure that the next week is even better than the last week.
0: Let's do it, bro. I guess, I mean, if that was your last point, I think you killed it. And I just I just want to take a second to just send some appreciation appreciation out to the boys, bro, because it is so unbelievably cool for me sitting where I'm sitting right now to get to do something like this. Like, honestly, again, like my best friend and then my, my mini best friend, like my two boys, <laughs> I'm not, like, I've been through some shit in life and you two and one other person, maybe a couple other people are really the ones who have like been solid through, through life and uh, to get to be working with the boys, talking about money, muscle game, even when I piss you guys off about it, like getting to talk about and be my 100% authentic self and like really get to see Deco come into his own man, like you becoming your own man, me becoming my own man. Like it is, it is really cool to just see what we're doing and like the energy that we're surrounding ourselves with. I think it's, it's just cool. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to say it. It's we're just, just cool.
2: we're collaborating. We're not competing and you know, there's strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think hey, well, I think, sure I think that Deco and I can say the same thing About you Alec And I can say the same thing about you too Like it has been Life changing The moment that I stepped in that door I had no idea what to expect And now And was just like <laughs> everything has changed forever
0: Forever bro Mind expanded can never fucking get trapped
2: <laughs> But yeah dude yeah, I, I appreciate y'all too
1: I appreciate everybody bro we we have done something that is, you know, you don't you don't see it too often. So it is you know, we gotta like literally look at it for what it actually is as well. Sometimes I feel like we don't do that. So it's been it's been an absolute blessing to be able to be with two insane gentlemen. That are just developing to become even better superheroes, bro. Every day.
2: Well, it's kind of funny because, you know, like, when we were living through the COVID era, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, like, we're living through history. Like, we're going to be in the history books. I think that's the same thing with what we're doing right now. Like, we are in the middle of the story that we'll tell later. Yeah, Straight like, up, we're experiencing bro. it right now. We already have stories, like, success stories and failure stories to tell. Just imagine yeah. imagine 10 years, like, that 20-year room. Yeah,
0: dude, Like, I, I
2: can't wait to sit in that 20-year room and be like, you guys remember when we, you know, we're struggling to get houses under contract? and.
0: Yeah, dude, I mean, we, we are all the ones, to quote Ed Milet, like, I'll say in the first sense, like, I am the one for my family. Mm. I'm that transcendental, transcendental,
1: Transcend.
0: I'm the transcending character for my family's bloodline. Like I, I know you guys are taking on that role and responsibility for you guys in your mm-hmm. own way as well, and it's just like you know, we're just being those guys. I don't I don't know how else to say it then like we're those guys.
2: Blessed and unstoppable.
0: Blessed <laughs> and unstoppable. <laughs> <But> yeah, <boys. laughs> I gotta go for my walk. I get to go for my walk. So.
2: <laughs> well, until <laughs> until next <laughs> week. We'll reconvene it. and we'll hop back we'll come back to the coffee table. We'll spill it all out. Oh no, should we rebrand from the coffee table to the tangent? I don't know.
0: I I, like I don't know. We'll have to think about it. I kinda liked it, but we'll see.
2: Stay tuned till next week
0: when we find <laughs> out. All right, homies. Boys.
2: I'll catch all y'all later.
0: Are we good to just like hang up? Don't hang up. Oh.
2: No. <laughs> Peace. You
3: said it like a- Feelings were hurt. <laughs>